Welcome in, everybody, to that special time of the week where everybody gets to hear me speak in my radio voice. It's sad times. Uh, I'm your host, Kevin. I have headphones on, even though the guest is in studio, because I'm official. Welcome in to Sad Times. For those of you who have never listened to Sad Times, here's a little primer for you. Um, Sad Times, each week we have a guest on who is generous and kind enough to come on and tell their story about times that they were upset, abused, sad, um, angry, any number of things that I think one way or another we as people have gone through, but we don't really talk about. We allow that person uh, to tell their story, and then we kind of get out of the way. We don't try to diagnose it. We do not judge it, and we don't try to solve it. It's just about letting somebody tell their story so that people at home uh, who hear these stories maybe feel a little less alone. We believe at sad times that if people are able to tell these stories and other people are able to hear them, uh, we'll all feel a little less alone, maybe a bit more empathetic. Um, and as you know, uh, we do have two sponsors this week. Now, I'd like to thank Brent uh, for, as always, for going out and getting these sponsors. Brent, thank you. Our first sponsor is um, oh, Chicago Weather. Okay, let's see here. So I got some ad copy. We, the makers of Chicago Weather, are tickled pink every year when you give us this nice little spring solstice. As we do every year, we will just set this right over here. We do think it's cute that you still can't figure out that we say when spring is and that it is always about a three hour and 45 minute afternoon on some Thursday in probably May. That's Chicago weather. Hey, fuck you. Jesus. All right. And um, our second man, Brent, you really, really did it on that one. Our second one, subpar Christmas gifts. We have all received a sweater with a duck on it, but we can all be thankful that at least we didn't get a chalkboard. That's some inhumane shit. That's subpar Christmas gifts. I don't even know how you found that one, Brent. That man, you are just working overtime as the the director and vice director of marketing. Yeah. All right, enough of that shit. Okay, so here we are. We're on sad times. Let's get to the guest. Uh, our guest is a wonderful woman named Bobette. Bobette, how are you doing? Good, thank you. How are you? Oh, I'm doing all right. I'm a little. I, bit, the Chicago weather was a bit aggressive. I thought so. Very much. Yeah, so. but I. I mean, I can't blame them. So um, let's talk a little bit about um, how I know you. Your son is a past guest for anybody uh, available in the archives, as they say on the wrestling podcast I listen to, by the name of John. And I know a number of months ago, you had expressed interest in being on here. And I said, okay, well, let's hear your story. And, and we kind of talked through some of your story. And uh, I know that you have a lot that you want to share today. So let's get right into it. Okay. Okay. All right. Great. So where were you born? Managua, Nicaragua. Well, that's a first for the show. Congratulations. Okay. And um, when did you move to the U.S.? Three years after I was born. All right. So tell us, um, did you grow up with your mom and your dad uh, in Nicaragua? Why were you in Nicaragua? Well, supposedly my father at the time mm -hmm. was in Vietnam. Okay. And he came back from Vietnam and my mother had had an affair and she was pregnant. Oh. So he he was transferred to an Air Force base in Nicaragua. Okay. So he took all of us, my sister and my older brother, and we went to Nicaragua. And the math doesn't work out that he was the no, father? No, he's not. The, he wasn't the father. He wasn't the father. Yeah. Okay. He gotcha. was not the father. But he took it as it was, whatever. Okay. So we went there. I was born. And then we, after about two and a half to three years, we came back to the States to Alabama. Okay. 
Gotcha. Uh, and then where'd you go from Alabama? We were um, in Alabama for a while. Then we moved to Florida. Okay. And so you're you're back with your who you think is your dad, right? And your mom. You have older siblings, right? Yes. Two older siblings. And did your parents stay married? No. My little brother, when we were in Alabama, was mm-hmm. born there. Okay. Then we moved to Florida. Then it was the the kids and my dad and my mom, supposedly. Okay. Yeah. And they were married for a while, and then he got out of the service, and then um, they got divorced. They got divorced. Yes, okay. they got divorced. And at this point, you still think he is your Oh, yeah. I've always thought father. that. Mm-hmm. Always. Okay. Almost my whole life, that was what it was. Do you, based on that, do you know who your father is? I have no idea. You don't know who your father is? I have no idea. Wow. Biologically. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so that divorce happened. Now- I think you had said to me, you used the words, after that divorce, all hell broke loose. Yes, very much so. What was the impetus for that breaking loose? Like, what was your mom just that upset about being divorced? No, she, um, it kind of was like, she, they were very abusive to each other. Oh. Um, and he kind of came back from Vietnam kind of not there. Because there was a lot of drugs and stuff involved. Mm -hmm. He was one of the people that flew the helicopters going down and getting people that were injured and in bad shape in Vietnam. So he saw all that kind of stuff. And he came back back to the States pretty screwed up on drugs and everything. So it was pretty tough for him. Okay. And then once they got divorced, I I assume that you all went with your mother? Yes. Okay. Yes. The the. Four kids went with my mom. Mm-hmm. We stayed with her. He kind of dropped off the face of the earth. We didn't see him very much. Every once in a while, we would. So at this time, she was, I think she got married a second time. Mm-hmm. And um, we were, um, I don't remember him at all, really, that man. Okay. She was married four times, so I don't remember him very much. Okay. So we just kind of in Florida doing what um, – uh, in Florida, um, going from place to place, getting in and out of schools. But we were little at that time, my older brother and sister. So about when I was two or three, she put me in a children's home. Wait, uh, she put you in a children's home? Did and the rest of your siblings or no, just you? No, just me. Why? I have no idea. You don't know? No, I still don't. I, it, well, I don't know. I know now since Don wasn't my father. Mm-hmm. It all comes out now. Yeah. But she put me in a home for about two and a half years. And then all of a sudden she got me back out. I don't know why. We don't know. But I remember it perfectly. And every once in a while, Dean would show up there. And who's just Dean? My little brother. That's your little brother. And okay. he would come like for the weekends or something. It was very bizarre to me. So like I think I was five at the time. And I remember the place wasn't like uh, a children's home that you would think it was. It was like there's about probably about 10 kids there, but it was like a family's house. Was it a foster like a foster family? I don't I don't think so, but I'm no. not sure. I just okay. remember Dean coming and he had a really rough time and me being five and this is a crazy story, but just remembering it being five and my little brother going to the bathroom all over the place and cleaning him up so people won't he wouldn't get in trouble. So I had to find things, and then I hid all the diaper and all that crap behind a a dresser because I didn't know what to do with it at the time. But you knew how to change a diaper? Or oh, yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah, we were home by ourselves all the time when my mom 
was working. She worked all the time. My older sister and brother didn't really care, but they were young too. They were 12 and 14, I think, at the okay. time, maybe a little bit younger. So we kind of just lived on our own while she was working all the time. Okay. So you said that um, her first husband, who you thought was your father, mm -hmm. that they were abusive to each other. Was your mom abusive to you, to the kids? Very, to me, very much so. Just to you? Yes, very Not much Not to so. the other three? Mm -hmm. Do you know why that is? No. We never, ever, from a very, as little um, that I can remember, did we ever get along. Never. I was always the one that she pushed aside. You know, just... It wasn't that important to her. Um, she was very, very close to her sons. Mm -hmm. And my sister, when we going as I came back and then we were in this apartment um, with some of her friends and she said, we have to get out of here. Well, she had married her third husband by then. Okay. Okay. And so she took a map mm -hmm. and she closed her eyes mm -hmm. and just went pointed down and it went to Ohio. Man, talk about your all-time bad luck. That's <laughs> crazy. I so, love Ohio. But okay. anyway, that that's that how you saved, ended up moving to Ohio. That yeah, moving to Ohio saved our lives, but we moved to Ohio and she married this his last name was Carl. That's the only reason why I remember it. He so did she meet him in Ohio? This, no, she moved met him in Florida. Gotcha. We picked up and all of a sudden it was like overnight. Mm -hmm. She said, we got to leave. We left mm -hmm. everything. We went, we drove to Ohio in a car that only had two front seats and the back of the truck car was all metal. So they had taken the back seats out. So us kids, well, my older sister stayed with Don. She didn't come with us. Okay. They had been fighting a lot. Um, she was like, uh, Michelle was tired of babysitting the kids all the time, and all, my mom put a lot of responsibility on my older sister okay. at that time. Um, my brothers and my brother, oldest one, was very, very abusive with me and Dean. You know, hitting and being hateful and causing trouble. Even as little kids, we were went through hell with him too. So Did your mom she, ever tried to intercede? With never. That? No. Well, with Dean. With Dean, but she not would with not. You. Not with me. Never. She was very. When she hit you and when she beat you or whatever, it was with belt buckles. If you got underneath the bed, she would swing the belt buckle underneath and hit you wherever she wanted to. She yeah. was very, very, and it was, and I would protect Dean. Dean would get in trouble, you know, right before we left Florida, uh, left Florida to go to Ohio. Dean hung out with, and Dean being three. And you were how old at this so how? what's your age difference between you and Dean? Three years. Three years, okay. Three and a half years, mm -hmm. pretty much. And we were kind of, it was just me and Dean all the time because everybody else was doing what they needed to do. And I remember one time, Dean and I, there was a big festival going on. And my mom had always been a waitress or a bar back or bartender or whatever. And she had this big pig that she put money in. Oh. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there's this big fair coming up. And Dean and I wanted to go, and we knew we wouldn't be allowed to go, so we stole money out of this pig. What? Mm -hmm. Me and Dean did. Okay. Yes. We spread it open, and we made it look like we didn't take any money out of sure. it because we figured it out. We tipped it over, and we pulling it out with with these uh, clippers. So we're pulling out the dollar bills, clippers. you know, clippers. Wow. Yes, getting it so we could pull out, so she wouldn't know that we took the money out. We so, thought it sounds like you watched Dateline as much yes. as I do. <laughs> So Dean and I went to this 
carnival. I mean, we probably took a hundred dollars and back. Hot shit. Probably and. 68 that's 60, a lot of money that's especially if it's a fucking lot of money yeah okay yeah. but us kids we're like fuck we're going to eat we're gonna and but me and him him yeah i think he was five i was seven so we're walking down acting like we're money bags okay oh, sure. just doing what we're doing and she found out Ugh. okay and what was her reaction not good not good we were in bad shape we and that was wrong for mm-hmm. us to do it. But we knew we wouldn't be allowed to go because she never let us do anything. Even Dean. Even Dean. I, I think well, said. She worked so much. We knew that we wouldn't be allowed. And at the time when she found out we took the money, she said, I was going to take you this weekend. Do you to make she it was seem, telling the no, truth? No, no, she wasn't going to take us. No. Okay. So that was one thing that we did that she had no control over, though. We okay. did it. We had a great time. We didn't care what she did to us. We ate what we wanted. We got ice cream. We got ham. We we got whatever we wanted because we really struggled for food a lot, not being able to have food. So when you were left home alone a lot, right? Your mom yes. was probably working nights. Always. Always. Yes. What would you do for food? Uh, sometimes nothing. You just wouldn't have any food? No. And going to school and doing different things, we didn't have lunch boxes. Back then, they didn't have free lunches. They didn't have that stuff for you. So if you were lucky, we'd get our breakfast and our lunches at school. Mm -hmm. And then when we got home, we had probably have no idea what we were going to eat at all. Now, and back then they wouldn't let you not have dinner, uh, lunch and breakfast. Right. They would provide. They would even if it was a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, even if it was a pop tart, even if it was whatever. Mm -hmm. And I just remember once I was just so embarrassed, but I took a cracker box. Back in the day, the Cracker Box used to open up saltines. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. And I made that my lunchbox. Oh, really? And I got picked on so fucking bad for it. That's one thing, being bullied and not having clean clothes and not having things. What would kids say to you if you remember? Unbelievable things. Just very mean. Yes. And if you don't and, – and like I said, it, with all this, we traveled so much. I didn't even learn how to read till I was in fourth grade. So as we go, as all this happened, you didn't learn how to read till you're in four, sorry, I was just no, processing that not, until fourth grade. No, nothing. Not reading, not math, not anything. Did you try a chalkboard? No. No. I didn't know how to spell on it, so I don't yeah. know why the fuck she got it for me in the first place. Anyway. <laughs> okay, so hold on, <laughs> let me go back a second. Um you mentioned you have an older sister. Yes. I just want to is your older sister uh, a doctor? No. Well, neither is mine. All right. Good. We got that in common. Yes, Just she is. Wanted to get that out of the way. All right. No, she isn't. <laughs> no, she. All right. So you move to Ohio. Your, yes. Your, your we mother's- finally get to, to Ohio. She marries a man. Mm-hmm. His last name was Carl. That's all I know. And we go into into Dayton and we stayed at the, the um, it was called the UD Ghetto because it was right at UD, the, the college. Of Dayton? Yes. Mm-hmm. And so we moved into where all the college kids lived. Okay. That was the first place that we found. There was this old house, and we moved into this house. We just thought it was the best thing, but moved in. We had nothing, and she had this man, so, this man that she had married. So Dean and I were playing on this shopping cart, and I was pushing him on the shopping cart, and I— it popped a willy, and I hit the ground. Well, there was a bunch of grass with a glass underneath it. 
And I cut my leg super, super, super bad. Oh, geez. So I got 175 stitches in my leg. If it would have went like a half of an inch more, Uh they would have had to pull the muscle up and tie my the muscle up and my leg would have been shorter than the other one. Did you get in trouble for that by any chance? Like um, did she your didn't mom believe say, she didn't believe that I was hurt at first. Okay. No. So I run there, I get we get home, it's just pouring out of me, and she puts a thing on my leg to twist so the blood quit splurting out. Okay. Ah, tourniquet. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And so we get to the hospital. Okay. Um, we're there for hours, they do surgery, they sew up my leg, we go home. Well, this is when uh, the first, well, I can't say the first time abuse, because in Florida it happened too. I'm sorry, I kind of missed. No need to apologize. No need to apologize at all. In Florida, we were needing food so bad. So we go to neighbors' houses and knock on the door and want food. To ask for food. To ask for food, because we didn't have it. So this one man's like, well, if you let me touch you, I'll give you as much food as you want. What? How old were you? Uh, at this point, probably four and a half to five years old. And so he abused you yes. to give you food. Was that yes, a one-time thing? Did that happen? No, because I kept going back because I knew that's where the food was at. Did you tell your mom about that? Um, I don't know if I did or not then because – I thought I was going to get in trouble for asking people for food. So I probably didn't. Why would you get in trouble for that? Because it would show that you're talking about your family's business outside of your family? Yeah, you didn't talk. You didn't say nothing about anything. When you were in school, if you had bruises, if you got beat, if you, did, you didn't talk about that. You weren't allowed to talk about family business. And you must have had a, a number of bruises because of the— uh, you were She saying was about very the belt. sneaky about it. Oh. But she had— she had um, super, super, super long nails all the time. So she, if she hit you or she grabbed you or she did anything, no matter what, you got scratched or you got punched or whatever it was. That was just her. She didn't – there was nothing that she didn't think that was wrong to do anything to hitting people and doing stuff like that. So, But, but she, you were the only one that she hit. I was the only one. And if okay. she would go after Dean, I would stick up for Dean. Like okay. if he had done something, he was getting in trouble. But he'd get spankings. It wasn't like mm-hmm. she went after him full force. He right. would, and I would guard him and say, "You can't get in trouble. You can't do this." So that kind of happened. In that looking for food and doing that. And then I remember this. Can one I just po- say that that is unbelievably horrific? Oh, uh, and the fact that it's compounded, right? You're four or five, you're trying to, you're having to go to someone's house to ask for food and then somebody is that monstrous and awful. Right, but Kevin, if if that's the way you think of your life, that's how it is. You don't think that's wrong. You don't think it's wrong since in your whole life, even as a child and all kinds of stuff, you get in such big trouble and get hit and that, you think that's life, that's the way it's supposed to be. Everybody lives that way. Were you without hope? I don't know. I, I never am. I've never been like that. I don't think. I always thought there was a light at the end of the tunnel, even as a child. Wow. I don't know why I did. I just always felt that way. Maybe it's the survival instinct. Maybe because yeah. you had. I had to be it for a long time. Yeah. And I- I'll tell you something. One time when I got back from being in the home, Don, the one that was supposed to be my father. Mm-hmm. He came and got us kids. And I remember getting into the shower, and he's like, take a shower. 
and wash your hair. I didn't even know how to do that. I didn't know that you got your hair wet and you soap and made bubbles. I didn't even know that. We never had soap. You didn't we would have take soap bath. of any kind. We would take baths and stuff, but we didn't know that you use soap and you do all that. I didn't know. I still remember that like it was yesterday. I, Getting in the shower and going, what do you want me to do? What? Is, is, okay, this is, not supposed, this is not meant to be a smart-ass question. Yeah, go ahead. So, I mean, obviously there are, there are expenses like rent, et cetera. Yes. Was, the rent, was your mom just not making any money at all and so she couldn't pay for these essentials or was it a choice on her part to not pay for it or a combination of I'm just curious you how know, I don't really know soap. I know I know the rent was I guess the rent was paid I don't know we didn't stay places very long I don't really and we were always in apartments or trailers I'm not sure we never really had a house or beds or Anything like that. I mean, we had clothes. I remember, um, I remember one Christmas, um, not the chalkboard Christmas, but I remember <laughs> one Christmas that we had pop made popcorn a whole, a whole bunch uh -huh. and we strung it up and put it around a Christmas tree. Yeah. But we had gone out into the woods and cut a tree down and brought it back into the house. Wow. That's, and where, where were you living at this time? In Florida. This was in Florida. We're in Florida then. Okay. Right when we've, Right when we first got to, uh, we were still in Florida. Yeah. Okay. So because you... we went from place to place, and then I remember us living in this trailer, like out in the woods, and I remember going into the bathroom, and the bathroom window was open, and this hand came through the window, and somebody was trying to break into the trailer, and that's when my mom was with Carl, the the third. We'll just the call him the third third husband. husband. Yes. And so, um, and then we, after that, because we got out of there because of the, the people trying to break into the house and this is very violent there, we moved into this apartment and that's when she put her finger down and said, we have to leave Florida. We're going. We're going to Ohio. We're going to Ohio. You move to Ohio. You're playing with your brother. You yes. cut your leg. Yes. You go to the emergency room. Uh, 175 stitches, I think yes. you said, and mm -hmm. then you got home. And I think you, you had mentioned a moment ago that that led to some abuse. And then you kind of backtracked yes. and say, well, this wasn't the first time. Mm -hmm. So when you say that led to some abuse, what do you mean? Well, I was in such bad, bad shape that the third husband, mm -hmm. I would be, um, my mom would always say, oh, well, he cares so much about him, about you. That's why he wants to lay in bed with you and make sure that you're okay and you're not in a lot of pain. Well, at that point, he was touching me and doing stuff. So I said to my mom, he's doing stuff to me. And she's like, no, he isn't. And I said, yes, he is. And I was eight at the time. And I'm like, yes, he is. And he goes, oh, no, he's not. He just cares about you. So I started going. There were college boys across the street. And there was a college guy named Danny, very kind, wonderful man. Mm -hmm. And I told him what happened. And though, so he would take me and make sure I had lunch and make sure I was okay. And, oh, wow. you know, he was a very kind, wonderful guy. I mean, just kind of took me like a little sister. Mm -hmm. And then I had to go to summer school and he would take me to school and then he'd bring me back home. He was just a really, like a lifesaver. 
right? He was kind of became your guardian. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. So he went to my brother, my older brother, and told him what was going on. And uh, Kirk would always say, oh, um, she deserves it. She asks for it. You're old. Okay. Kirk is your older brother. Yes. And just to be sure I'm understanding, <clears throat> Danny went to Kirk to say, this is uh, happening. Bobette is being abused. And Kirk's response was, well, she deserves it and she asked for it. Right. What did Danny say to that, if you know? He just thought it was fucked up. I, I just re- And even this man, I to this day, from even when we moved out of that place and we finally got away, and I'll tell you the rest of that, but when we got out of it, I still kept in touch with him for years, for years and years. With Danny? Yes. Okay, good. I, I want to Danny. clarify that. With Danny, I was yes. worried that you meant the third husband. No, okay. no, no. Hell okay. no. No. Okay. So we, okay, all this happens. Danny's taking me back and forth to school. He's making sure that I'm eating. He's helping Dean out here and there, my little brother, just making sure us two are okay. Because just, you know, it was just kind of hell for us there. Um, So then all of a sudden my mom says, I'm leaving him because he's having sex with another woman. Okay. So she, this is her third husband. She's going yes. to leave her third husband because he's having an affair with another woman. Yes. Who was the woman? Me. What? My mom. He. What? Wait. How old are you? Eight. Jesus. Eight or nine. So he had sex with me. I was hysterical. I went to my mom and told her. She did absolutely nothing. She just left him. And the reason why she told everybody she left him is because he was having sex with another woman. So at that point, she believed you. I don't even know. To a degree. Yes, she believed me, but she didn't let anybody else know anything about it. She knew she had fucked up through Uh all this. And she never told anybody about it or got me any help or did anything. Nothing. So we packed up and left, of course, went to this little trailer. Then we went to this apartment complex, and we had nothing, no furniture, no clothes, nothing at this house. We just moved into this apartment, and we, some of her friends from where she worked at, she worked at this very, very elite Super, super expensive restaurant that only big time people went to. You know, she was a bar in Dayton. In Dayton. Mm-hmm. It was pretty much in Kettering. Was it, it was an, called was the it Inn. Olive Garden? Oh, yes. okay. <laughs> I like Olive Garden. Oh. Hey, that's elite. Because <laughs> you know, when when I'm there, yes, I'm family. Yeah, I know. It's okay, so she worked there. at a place called the Inn. The Inn, okay. and she was a bar back or a bartender, and she did all her stuff there, but made. Good, good money there. But Mm -hmm. her friends had come to the house, to our apartment, and dropped her off and saw that we had nothing. Which leads to my question a few minutes ago. Like, I don't understand where the money's going. She did a lot of drugs and a lot of stuff, and it was pretty much about her, you know. I mean, she would get groceries once a week if we were lucky and stuff like that. So Did she ever go hungry? I don't know. Probably not because you worked at a restaurant. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And every once in a while, we were able to come into the restaurant and eat before opening if we were, you know, kind of lucky. But anyway, so she did this. 
And her friends came and saw the apartment. And all of a sudden that weekend, we got all kinds of furniture. They did all kinds of food. We got clothes. We got all kinds of stuff. I, I'd like to point out uh, Danny and then her her coworkers. I, I just think it's an amazing the the everyday acts of kindness that go on in the world and uh, the the horrors that you went through. I'm not downplaying that. No, at no, all. no. I'm just saying that it's wonderful to hear about the kind things. Oh as yes, well. and people did. They were like, you know. They were like, why are you, why didn't you tell anybody? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? Your kids deserve more. And at this point, it was my older brother, me, and my little brother. My older sister didn't come with us right. to Ohio. Right. So we kind of, um, so then she started seeing this man. Okay. Let me just make sure. Yes. So uh, I'm trying to keep up. Um, she has left her third husband. Left her third husband. And by the way, that's not like me saying anybody oh, got, can get divorced. I, okay, and all I almost that forgot stuff. something. Okay. All right. Put, put your hand down. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Um, just right on the chalkboard over there. <laughs> okay. Is there no, a I'm, no, I'm just kidding. Guess what? You're getting a chalkboard, baby. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> your mom's third husband who abused you. Yes. You you as a family left. Mm -hmm. You were basically, it sounds like to me, correct me if I'm wrong, blamed. Very much so. Yes. It was my fault. All the time. Okay, so she starts dating another guy. Tell me about him. Um, I want to say something before this. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. She dated this man for a little bit that was a millionaire. A millionaire. And his name was Bryce. And she, but he was in his 70s, uh -huh. okay? And she was probably in her late 20s, early 30s, because she had her kids very young. Mm -hmm. Um. He was an amazing, amazing man, a good guy, mm -hmm. easygoing, loved the kids. She said she never could marry him because he was too old. Too old? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he was great with us. With all three of you? With all three of us. Mm -hmm. He was wonderful. He had a full family, too. He was just wanted to marry her, take care of us. and all. But she had that chance, and she didn't do that. Because he was, uh, by her rights, too old. Too old. Okay. But he would have done everything for us. But she thought of herself before her kids, like always. Mm -hmm. So anyway, but then uh, she started dating the fourth husband. Okay. They hadn't got married. Mm -hmm. The most amazing man on the, in the world. Great, great man. Um, she dated Brent? Yes. Mm -hmm. No, I'm just kidding. Brent's not the most amazing man <laughs> in the world. All right, so she's dating, and he's great. He's, he's good. great. He comes in. He makes sure we have food. He makes sure everything's okay. He buys his clothes. He gets us ready for school. You know, he does everything. He bought me my first winter coat. He's done everything. You're for living me. in Ohio, and you're how old are you when when uh, the fourth her fourth husband comes nine? The you don't have a winter coat until you're nine, right? In Ohio, in Ohio, and and so. He buys us this coat. He does everything. And I had a bully on the bus that was very mean to me, mm -hmm. really, really mean to me. Every time I got off, she wanted to fight me and do crap. And at that time, I was very, I didn't, I took shit, okay? I would just run away, cry, do whatever. So she took my brand new coat and threw it in the dumpster. No. So my dad said, the man, mm -hmm. he's my What father. was his name? Gene. 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 Okay. He said to me, let me tell you something. You let this girl take your brand new coat and throw it in the dumpster, you're going to get a spanking because mm -hmm. you need to stand up to her. It's time. She's trying to teach you a lesson. 
Mm -hmm. So I take her. Her name was Kelly Bean. I'll never forget the name. Mm -hmm. Kelly's a terrible name. Yes. (laughs) So we get off the bus. Well, just I only know one bad Kelly, to be clear. (laughs) I know a couple. Yeah. Okay. Well, you haven't met her yet. so No, but I know a couple anyway. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Anyway, so I get off the bus and she comes at me. And she had this long, beautiful black hair. I grabbed the hair, spun her around, knocked her to the ground, kicked her. And from then on, I never let anybody fuck with me. So I think it's important to point out that Gene, it wasn't that it seems to me, tell me if I'm yes. wrong. It wasn't like Gene was saying, go fuck people up. No. Gene was saying, you need to stand up for yourself. And did he say that? Like at home, was he watching the way that your mom was uh, oh, he, treating well, you? Well, they hadn't been uh, – he didn't know yet. He didn't know yet at this he didn't point. Know. They had just started dating mm-hmm. and everything, and everything was great. Everybody else in the family was calling him dad. I still called him Gene. Mm-hmm. You know, even before they got married, everybody just loved him. And I didn't trust anybody. So I was like, you know, this guy's just one of her fucking fuck buddies. And that – not at – Nine, I said, fuck, buddy, but I just, this is crazy, you know. And with my mother, you didn't say, shit, damn, hell, shut up. You didn't say, you didn't say nothing. If you didn't say, yes, ma'am, no, Mm ma'am. If you didn't say, may I please? Mm -hmm. May I please go outside to play? May I do this? May I do that? You're fucking up in your room for the whole day. Isn't it interesting what certain people choose to say is bad Exactly. And choose to overlook. Exactly. Disrespect was not allowed, no matter what. It didn't matter what you went through, what things were going on. No disrespect in your family ever. At this point, did you know that Don, uh, the the Vietnam, you still didn't, you still, you still thought he was your biological father? Yes. Okay. My whole life until I was older. My whole life. Gotcha. Okay. So there was always this craziness in our lives, me and my mom, because I didn't know why she hated me. I didn't know why she treated me different. I had no idea. But my older sister knew, and I think my older brother knew too, but he never said nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, So when Gene came into our lives, I'm just like, I don't trust him. I stayed away from him just because of all the abuse and everything that I went through. And I didn't want my mom to think he liked me because if he liked me, she would hurt me because another man that she was with liked me. So you were you were even afraid to have um, normal, like a normal. Uh, but a I didn't know what was normal. I didn't know what was normal. That's fair. That's a fair point. See, but you, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I didn't know what was normal, Kevin. Yeah. I had no idea. I didn't know that there was mom and dads that stayed married. And that was the life of it. Mm-hmm. You have one father, one mother back then. Mm-hmm. You live in a house. You go to school, eat lunch, dinner. You know, you do everything with your family. You have grandma and grandpas. You have cousins. I never even knew any grandparents my whole life. You didn't know your your mother's no, parents? No, my mom was the only child. Her mother and she was raised by her grandparents. And all those died before they were 50. Wow. So I had no idea, and she had no brothers and sisters. So I didn't even know anything about Don's family either because we traveled so much, and he was in Vietnam, and then we were gone. So I didn't know anything that there's cousins and aunts and uncles and grandma and grandpas. I didn't know that. 
You didn't even know those concepts. No, not even concept. Didn't even know anything about it. Wow. We didn't even know that. So when Gene got into our lives, mm-hmm. his mom and dad were together. Well, his mom and stepdad, mm-hmm. and then his dad and his. So we had four grandparents that weren't even blood when they got married. So anyway, so we're to, we did all this, all the stuff with Kelly Bean, all this stuff, and my dad's like, um, he came to us and said, "I'm going to marry your mom," mm-hmm. and I'm like. Mm, you sure? <laughs> you know, she's been married a lot, you know, mm-hmm. and I ran my mouth because I was like, oh, you you actually were, you said something. Yeah, I said, are, are you sure? Okay. You want to be our dad? That's what it was. Why? And I asked him, why do you want to be our dad? Why? What was his response? I didn't understand it. He goes, what do you mean? I love you guys. How can you love us? How do you love us? You don't know us. You don't know nothing. You're not our dad. And that's how I was with him. You're not my fucking dad. Who are you? Mm-hmm. I'm never going to call you dad. Never. That's what I told him. Well, it's kind of like you said a moment ago, like, I didn't know what normal was. So it's like you didn't know that, hey, here's somebody who's quote, quote unquote normally normal. trying to love you and provide for you. And so you're like, get the fuck out of here. Man. Yeah, that's how it was. Yeah. So we moved into his condo from this hell hole. Mm-hmm. We moved into his condo. They got married. You shouldn't say that about Ohio, but whatever. Okay, the hellhole. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we move into this condo, and we're all in this condo together. We're trying to heat. They went to go find a house. But anyway, we're in this condo living. They got married. We went on their honeymoon with them. We went camping. We had the best time. Everything was great. So we get back, and we're packing up his condo to move into our house. And my little brother comes up to me and calls me a pussy. So I said, I'm telling Oh, You're in trouble. Yeah. And Kirk and Dean were calling him dad and everything. I'm like, hmm, let's see what he does to you. Okay. So he goes, you're going to eat. So this man had never spanked anyone in his lifetime. Never. Did he have any children of his own? Yes, two. He did. he did. Okay. Oh, that's another. Okay. Oh, all right. Well. Okay. All right. Sorry. They'll get into it. But, you know. Yeah. So anyway, Gene was, his mother was very bitchy and crazy. His first wife was bitchy and crazy. My mom was bitchy and crazy. So he had always been with very crazy women. Always. He's just, he's always been, he's like, hum-de-dum, very easygoing. He sure sounds like a nice guy. He was not a nice guy. He was the most amazing man in this. I I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. That's what I'm saying. So anyway, (laughs) Dean called me a pussy. I said, I'm getting you in trouble. He's like, what are you going to do? Nah, nah, nah. And I'm like, so we made him eat soap. <laughs> Gene made uh, uh, Kirk eat soap Dean, or Dean? Dean, my little oh, okay. brother. Because mm-hmm. him and I would fight and be, I'm telling on you, blah, 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 you know. Yeah. So he made him eat soap. So I came around the corner and he was being still a little pain in the butt. Uh-huh. And he, you weren't allowed to say pussy, but he did and I got him in trouble. Didn't tell mom, just told Gene. I opened the door. On purpose and cracked his head open. He had to get nine stitches. Nine stitches? That's a well, listen, tell it's Dean bad. that's 166 less than you. Yes. Have. So I slammed the door open him. He goes, I'm telling Dad, you're uh-huh. gonna get in so much trouble. Uh-huh. I said, I don't give a crap what he says. He can't do nothing to me. He's not my dad. Why do you keep saying he's dad? He's nothing. He came in, he goes. You're going to get a spanking. And I said, he goes, I'm, and he's shaking. Oh. He said, you can't do that to your brother. Oh, yes, I can. And you can't do nothing to me because you're nobody. 
this is nine years old talking to this man like this. And he's he's looking at me, shaking. He whacks me in the butt. Ha ha, that didn't hurt. And I left him. You're nothing. You can't even hurt me. So he's like, gets the belt. Oh. Puts me over his lap, whacks me in the butt once. He's crying at this time. And I turn around and said, I love you, Dad. Really? And was that the first time you called him dad? I told him, I said, I'll never make you spank me again. So you, it's, it's as if you, to yourself, you're like, wow, this guy's great. I can't Mm -hmm. believe he's doing this, but I'm going to, I'm not going to let him hurt me. And I'm going to show him that he has no power over me. Right. Exactly. This instance happened Mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, I love you. You actually care. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Now, and from, and him and I were like this. And at this point, had he seen the type of abuse that was coming from your mother towards you? Yes. And what was his reaction to that? You will never touch her ever again. He he stopped it. He stopped it. At times when he he was when he wasn't working and things happened. If you if you mouthed off to your if if you did not do what she wanted you to do, say okay, you didn't feel like doing dishes, you went to bed instead. She'd jerk you out of bed and make you do them. Mm. You know what I mean? That's mm. kind of how it was. But He bought a house in a very, very rich area, very, very good schooling. I had my own bedroom for the first time, my own bed for the first time in my life at 10 years old. And this is around the time that you learned how to read, yes? When I went to Kettering schools. Okay. When I got into these schools. Can I ask you, and this is in no way a shameful question, Mm -mm. how did you get through, like, how did you get through school without being able to read? Meaning bullshitting. Just bullshitting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bullshitting. Did you feel shame about that? Always. Always. All the way. I I hit it all the way through high school. Um, I had a tutor. No one knew it. I could play musical instruments because I did it by, by hearing it. You could do it. it by ear? Oh, yeah. I play five different instruments. So that, that's one of the places that your son gets his musical talent then because mm-hmm. he's a very, very talented. And player. I ran track and I did stuff and I, I never drank. I never got in trouble. Never now, why didn't ha- you drink? No, that's no, not a judgment question. The reason why question. is because my mom was a very much alcoholic. It was in, My mom drank from morning to night. She'd have her coffee in the morning. By 11 o'clock, she had her wine cooler in her glass was at it, all times. Was it a fuzzy navel? Um, there were all different kinds. They were pretty tasty. We were allowed to have them whenever we wanted. At what age? Anytime. Really? Yeah. Man, um, my mom, not the same as your mom. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when we were kids, my mother gave up so much for us. And one of the, she rarely ever went out. Okay. And about once a year, her and her friend would each have about two fuzzy navels a piece. <laughs> and, you know, that's, and uh, my dad never drank. And my mom, like, she drank two fuzzy navels mm-hmm. a year, right? And so I was like, that must be what it's like to be drunk. Um, and then I was like, I better try that out myself 6,000 times. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you're. I wasn't, I didn't, I never did anything to make my mom not be proud of me. My brothers drank and smoke and did all kinds of, but when we moved to Kettering. Everything kind of changed a little bit, a lot of it. Um, we had clean clothes to go to school. We had stuff we could do. But people were very hateful then because in elementary school and stuff, 
you can't hide that you can't read when you got into a school like this. Mm-hmm. So going to a tutor and doing stuff, people knew. Did Gene hire the tutor? No, at schools. They had oh, him the at the school. school. Did. Okay. The school had him. Mm-hmm. So um, it was very, very hard to get friends doing things. I was very backwards when it came to stuff. Um, I didn't let anybody bully my brothers or anything. I was very Kirk kind as well, of— well, both your older and younger both, brother? Yes, mm-hmm. both. Now, did did your brother stand up for you? Dean did. Dean did. And just to—Dean is your younger brother. Yes. Okay. Dean, or I, Dean and I were like this. Nobody— Nobody fucked with you guys. No, mm-hmm. no. But when someone beat up my older brother, I'd take my lunchbox, hit him over the head, do whatever it took to do, because nobody messed with family. You just didn't do it. You know, so we move into this wonderful house. We we have vehicles we can drive. We're going back and forth to school. We have food every, you know, my mom's cooking, acting like a mom now, doing stuff. But still very, we never got along still. My dad would be like um, Gene. We'd go into the store. He'd buy me all stuff. Because like at Christmas and birthdays, when you went into like Elder Beerman's or Reich's, that was big stores where mm-hmm. we were at. The first department was women's and kids, uh, you know, adults, girls. And he'd always buy me all kinds of – and she'd get super pissed about it. Why are you buying her this? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? And that always scared me because – You thought she was going to leave. Yes, because he liked me as his daughter, not as sexually – so she had no reason to leave him when it came to me and his relationship because it was a real relationship. But it you wasn't couldn't a, have understood the difference. I didn't. That's what was so hard about it. I didn't even want him to give me a hug or kiss goodnight or anything. I, You know, if he'd say, come sit on my lap, I'm like, no, can't. What do you mean? I, I don't care if you sit up. You're allowed to sit on my lap. Nope. Mm-mm. And see, he didn't know about all the sexual abuse. He didn't know any of that. And not until I was, things changed a lot for me when I became in middle school because I kind of grew up, got boobs. I was very athletic. I start, I was in band in middle and elementary school. What'd you play? I played clarinet, bass clarinet, saxophone, trombone, and tuba. You played tuba? I, I played was, the tuba. I played tuba, and I was sectioning the nine guys. Really? Yeah. So I just want to say this real fast. That had to have been a really awesome thing for your self-esteem. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And see, my the band director was amazing, but the head band director graduated with my dad from UD. So they were really, really, really good friends. So it helped. So we could talk to them about my learning disability. And they understood it. And so they would help me. And so I could thrive. That's great. You know, they would play the music for me, you know, and then I'd play it right back to them. And they're like, damn. You know, even in marching band, we do, Mm -hmm. you know, they'd be like, they'd want to challenge me. And my band director, he's like, wait a second. And then he would tell me, we're going to do this, play it like this, and then he won't beat you. Wow. And so they backed me 110%. They were amazing because they they knew how much I was busting out. Whatever he asked me, whatever instrument he asked me to play, I'd play for him. We're short these this year. Will you play it? 
We're short these this year. We play like it. a utility infielder. Yes, it was fun. It was yeah. great. And then, and and like in middle school, everything changed a bunch. Boys liked me. I got boobs. I got looks a little bit. You know what I mean? You grew mm-hmm. out of your kids' ages. You, I remember um, the lady up the street, her daughter was graduating and we were the same size in clothes. And my dad went to that garage sale and bought all her clothes for me. It was the first time that I had name brand clothes and and everything. And dad's like, let's go, let's go get it all, you know? So I went to school and I had all these really super nice clothes and people are like, man, you've changed, you know, mm-hmm. you've changed. You're not the tomboy or whatever you were at the time. And And I just grew up a little bit. And I was learning more about school and being able to read a little bit better. And and I really didn't care if people thought, I'll go back a little bit. I really didn't care what people fucking thought about me. I got to that age. And that was the first time you'd really well not worried about When that? we moved into my house, mm-hmm. it was on my 10th birthday. Okay. Okay. And I said on my 10th birthday, if I ever get married, mm-hmm. if I ever have kids, I will never never get divorced i will never have fucking crazy men in my house and my kids will never be fucking abused and not know food you have to think about this when you're 10 years old and i kept that fucking promise to myself to this day it's amazing never will my kids ever even the age they are now will they ever go through what i went through ever you got to change it. And if you don't change it in life, if you don't change what's happened, it keeps going on and on and on and on. And my kids are not going to be abused. They were not going to be abused. They were not going to have fucking crazy men touching them, boys or girls. Mm-hmm. They're not doing it. It's not happening. Well, um, I, I do want to say this. Uh, I obviously am, am close friends with your son. Uh, I know your daughter, mainly through her making fun of me, but uh, just two wonderful human beings, and kudos, kudos to you. I mean that. I mean, and that. it's been. I mean, and people are like, "You're a helicopter mom." I don't give a fuck what you say. I don't care what you say. I don't care if you don't want me here. I don't care because every fucking single one of their teachers, their coaches, their directors. Every single thing they did in their life, Bobette was there. As a junior in high school, um, you had a medical issue. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, sure. Why okay. not? I was um, having a lot of pain in my stomach. Didn't know why. I hadn't been sexual active as having boyfriends and doing that crap. I didn't do it because my mother always said, you know, as when it came to being able to have boyfriends and going out and doing everything. My mom, this is my mom. You know if you let a boy touch you, I can get the fingerprints off your body. What? That's what she told me. Even though I went through all this abuse and she knew about all this, she tells me when the time comes, if you let a boy touch your boob If you let him feel you, if you do anything, I will get the fingerprints off you, and you'll go to jail for it. You will go to jail for it? I will. Why you? That's what she said. Okay. So I went to my dad, Mm -hmm. Gene. Mm -hmm. I said, 
can you take fingerprints off of you if you let a boy touch you? He said, are you going to let a boy touch you? I said, I don't know, but is it true? He's like, where did you get that from? I said, mom, he said, no, Bobette, they can't get fingerprints off you. So anyway, I was feeling real bad. I've been have, I was having really bad cramps. I just was in bad shape. They didn't know what it was. I was, I had ulcers in my colon. I was just in bad shape. And Jesus. this is, this was my junior, my junior year. Mm-hmm. I go to the hospital and, um, I have a venere, a disease from sex. A, were you saying venereal disease? Yes. Like an, a sexually transmitted yes. infection. Yeah, I can't talk, but yes. No, no, that's okay. Yeah. Neither can I. Yeah. And I host I, a podcast. I really can't. I really can't. Yeah. And so my mom's like, I told you you were having sex. I said, I didn't have sex. And so my Did dad. Did you hold up your arm and go, see, no fingerprints. Yeah. <laughs> I should have yeah, done yeah. I said, I haven't had sex. And she goes, it proves that you have. And so my dad's like looking at me real strange. I said, I didn't have sex. And he's like, have you ever had sex? And I said, yes. And he said, when? I said, with her ex-husband. And he goes, what? And he turns and looks at her, and he never cussed or nothing. He goes, what the fuck is she talking about? What was your What was your mom's response? Nothing. So I had so much damage, and didn't even know I had the damage. You're talking about internally in your internally. body. You had damage. Yes, okay. very mm-hmm. much so. So it was in really bad shape. So they fixed me, and we did everything, but nothing was done. Nothing was said. All it was said is I I had ulcers in my colon from nerves and all the problems I had been going through. And at that point, I had a boyfriend for pretty long. I never dated anyone, just dated them. I always dated them for a couple years or whatever. I never just dated to be dating. I had boyfriends that, you know, for a long period of time. And... Sex was never involved with it because I just didn't, I was scared of it or whatever. It just didn't end up in our relationships. Mm -hmm. He'd make out, touch boob, do that. You know what I mean? Nothing big. And that was, that was what it was pretty much about. Mm -hmm. So they fixed me. We got everything to done and stuff. And then, um, I started dating somebody pretty serious. After we had broken up and I had dated this other man. Is this, uh, sorry, Go ahead. Uh, you're still a junior in high school? Yeah, at this junior point? in high school. Okay, thank yeah. you. Yeah. So I'm in band and I'm in track and I'm doing all this and I go to state and track. I do great in everything I do. I, I try to. Mm-hmm. Um, I did really good in, in other things instead of schooling because it was so hard for me. Mm-hmm. But I made it. I got, I graduated. You know, I did everything I was supposed to do. And that's, um, I, I just have to say, that's an amazing feat for everything that you went through and the fact that you did not even learn how to read by no fault of yours right. until you were 10 years old and you were still able to graduate high school. That's an amazing feat. Yeah, and I couldn't spell nothing. If it wasn't N-O-T-H-I-N-G. for phones now. Yes, thank you. I could spell it now. Okay. If it wasn't for phones now, I'd be in bad shape. And But anyway. And then 
you know, I I dated a man for a long period of time, and he was into draw. I I always thought I could fix people. All people, the people or or boyfriends, boyfriends, friends, anybody who's having trouble. You're like, I'll fix it. And I, yeah, I I can do it. You know, you need help. Just why do you think you felt that way? Because of you know, I, because of having to do everything on my own. I mm-hmm. think. Again, let's let's. Harken back to the fact that you, without batting an eye as a five-year-old, changed a diaper. Yeah. I'm oh, almost yeah. 41, and I've never done that. Yeah. It, it's, it's, that's just, you know, you got to make things work in life. You got to do it. You can't keep, oh, you know, um, this happened to you, and keep going back and back and back because it'll kill you. You can't keep saying, oh, you know, this happened to me, so... I can be this way. No. You got to keep life going. You got to make life good. I I'm I wasn't going to go, okay, John and Tracy, you're not allowed to do this because I was raped as a child or you're not allowed to go someplace by yourself because I was this happened to me or this happened to me or this. You know what I mean? I let them be independent, but I was the person that was kind of around the corner watching mm-hmm. to make sure they were okay. And John and Tracy, just to be clear, are your kids. Yes, okay. yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. <clears throat> okay. So you started dating a guy junior year. Yes. He was into drugs, I believe you Very said. Very much so, yes. And so you attempted uh, to fix it or thought you could fix it. Yeah. Well, he was great. He was in sports. He did all kinds of stuff. It was um, pretty cool. Everything was great. And then all of a sudden, I was just like, I can't do this anymore. It was too arduous? Like too hard to try to fix him, and so much cheating, and so much bringing other people in, and just it. I gave him so many chances, and it was just I thought that was okay to cheat and to do that. My whole life, I've always thought, is that the way it is? Nobody's going to be happy with one person for the rest of your life. Is that what this is about? You know, even with boyfriends and friendships, fucking people have just shit on me so bad with friendships. And you're like, how many times do you just flip the page and, oh, it's okay. It's okay. You had a bad day that day. It's okay. I can't say that I really have friends that, from childhood or um, as I got older, the people that I went look, brought into my life ended fucking me over for some reason. So that's another reason I think a lot. And it's, and, and I think it's sad sometimes to myself that I pick depend on my kids way too much. They're my life and it's not fair. Because I don't know what I would do without them. They're best friends. They're my kids. They're not. They're not kids anymore. They're just my life, and that's what's scary. You know, through everything that I've gone in my life, besides being sick and all this kind of stuff, it's been hell for them. So they've gone through 
cry, and they would say, no way, Mom, it's okay. But they have gone through so much with just with me being sick and the stuff that I've gone through. And it's just sad that they've had to do that in a different way. You know, that's that's the only thing that's harder. It's okay. You know, you don't want, you want the best, you want the best for them. And it just. I, I understand that you're saying that for sure, but it sounds like to me, and again, yes, we spoke a little bit before this, but we're just having a conversation mm-hmm. here. It sounds like, at least from what you're telling me, you've never said, ah, my needs are this. Right. It's been about somebody else's needs. Mm-hmm. Always. And, but then you've also done the uh, very esteemed and wonderful motherly thing where you're like, okay, now my life is about my kids. Mm-hmm. And I think you're a prime example of somebody who has a parent who does not do that. So the fact that you have said, oh, I feel bad that that's all I have. I mean, the things that you've done for your kids and continue to do to this day are admirable, wonderful. So I hear what you're saying, but I, I just an observation that I had in listening. Right, right. I'm listening because I have headphones on. <laughs> okay, so. So anyway, so I get through middle school and we go into high school. And it's really cool because um, I'm awesome in track. I do all kinds of stuff. And then in band, I'm the section leader of nine men as a tuba player. And back in the. Goddamn right. Back in the. Go low brass. 70s, late 70s, early 80. Well, I graduated in 80. Um, women really didn't play tubas. There weren't very many of them. And so we all had a great time. The guys were great. We all, we had an amazing band and we had a good time. So I graduate and I had been working since I was 16 at a restaurant. And then um, I dated a guy for a while. We got out of the relationship. And um, during all this, I had been taking care of my grandfather. I left my mom and dad's house. Was this Jean's father? Yes. Okay. No mm-hmm. relationship to me at all. But but yes, no biological Well, not even to him. To, oh, that's right. It was his, it was stepdad. his stepfather. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So his mother had died, and then his grand, his his dad, stepfather, when I he loved me, and we got along amazing. And when I turned 16, out of all the grandkids, he handed me the keys to his car. That just sat in his garage that was a Volkswagen bug. Oh. And he's like, it had like only 600 miles on it. Mm -hmm. And he's like, here you go. And I had never in this thinking of this whole time that why me? That's what I was like. Why, Gramps? Why are you giving this to me? He says, because you're the best of the best. He hated kids until I came in the picture. Mm-hmm. hated him mm-hmm. he says you're badass he couldn't see hardly we'd go for rides in the car and i'm like gramps mm-hmm. well you'll get this don't worry i'm like gramps we can't drive you're going like this we're gonna die okay I mean, it, he couldn't see he was terrible he had to look back and forth to be able to drive we'd go bowling every saturday and he'd have to drive okay so anyway, could he see the bowling pins? No, he was. Okay. It was great though. Yeah, he was probably about five foot five. How often did he bowl it into the bar instead of the bowling pins? No, into the into the thing. He was oh, an okay. awesome he bowler. Knew, he knew which way to yes, go. Yes, he knew. Okay. He was oh, so. 
And he's the one who taught me how to fish and do amazing, amazing man, but no blood to me at all. He was my dad's stepfather. And so when my, my dad's mother died, we took care of him. Okay. So my older brother would go there. I would. So when I turned 17, because I didn't get along with my mom, I asked my dad, could I please go take care of Gramps? He's like, sure. So I went and lived with him. And then from my parents' house, I moved into my grandfather's house. From my grandfather's house, I moved into Steve's house. So, And Steve is the guy you were dating who proposed marriage to you? Yes. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it was just like beep, beep, beep. Never on my own. I mean, taking care of my grandfather was kind of on my own, but I didn't have to pay for stuff. I didn't have to do anything. I had a job since I was 16 and just making sure that I, you know. So... It was an experience of being a caregiver. That's kind of what I was because um, that's what I got from my father because that's what my father was. You know, Gene was a caregiver. He came into our life. He was our caregiver. So that's what I learned from that man that you take care of people. That's Mm -hmm. the way it is. Mm -hmm. No matter what happens in your life, you take care of people. So with my mom, so Steve, Steve and I dated two weeks. He asked me to marry him. Five months later, we were married. Are you 21 by this point? Yes, I turned 21. I turned 21 uh-huh. in September and got married in October. Well, hey, kept your promise. But before I married Steve, I changed my last name to my dad's name. And what uh, We adopted him. My brother and I adopted him. So we went to the courts because my brother was 18 and I was 21. Mm -hmm. We were allowed to do it for free. And it was too expensive for him to adopt us. So that Christmas, before I got married, we gave him the present of saying, we took your last name. And when he walked me down the aisle, we had the same last name. That's the second best Christmas gift I've ever heard of. It's After a chalkboard. The chalkboard. Yeah. And we surprised him with that. And all joking aside, that's And he amazing. cried like a baby. Yeah. So I wanted to make sure that I had the same last name us walking down the aisle together. Did he walk you down the aisle? Yes, he did. That's wonderful. Yep. You know, he never was negative about anything. If this is what you want, I'm here for you. If it doesn't work out, I'm here for you too. So it was pretty cool. Uh, so in so you're 21. You just turned 21. You're getting married. Mm-hmm. Was your mom at the wedding? Oh, yeah. She was all for this. She was all for you getting married. Yeah, because she was in. She could plan. I just. She said, "Oh, I can't wait to plan." I said, "Here, do whatever you want to do," because uh-huh. I was not going to work with her to do anything. Sure. And Dad said he would pay for it. So. And you had said that um, growing up, there was no curse words. None of that. Never. Oh, never. Yeah. Right? Never. Um, which. Never. Which. Um, by the way, you've been cursing on this podcast a lot, and I never Fuck curse. Fuck is my favorite cu- word, and I'm going to say it forever. I thought after I went through everything I went through a couple months ago uh-huh. that I was going to try not to say fuck anymore, mm-hmm. but fuck it, I am. It's just a fucking <laughs> word, right? <laughs> it's the best word. Yeah, it's it's a pretty goddamn good word. It is a good word. Uh, so, And I'm grown, and I'm allowed to say it. That's right. Okay. So what what happened? Did oh. you curse around your mother uh, on your wedding day or near your wedding? Day before my wedding, mm-hmm. the day before my wedding, I dropped this thing on my foot and I go shit. And she came and backhanded me. My mother had a big old carrot diamond ring on her finger, 
And she backhanded me with it and scratched my face completely across it. The day before your wedding? Day before the wedding. I grabbed a hold of her. I threw her on the bed and said, if you ever fucking touch me again, I will kill you. And my dad came around the corner and said, it's about fucking time. Wow. What did you did, um Did your mom say anything? Not a word. Wow. But it took me that long to stand up to her. You didn't disrespect. Mm-hmm. And that after that day, I still never disrespected her. Still never. That was the only time in my life that I disrespe- ever disrespected her because you didn't do that. You didn't talk about finances. You didn't talk about if people were divorced. You didn't talk about if you got beat. You didn't talk about sexual abuse. You didn't talk about nothing that was personal in your life out of the house. You just didn't do it. Nobody nobody did in my generation. Nobody talked about it. And all the abuse that was going on, and it wasn't just me. Other people were abused and stuff. But one thing about my mother is everybody fucking loved her. All my friends thought she was the best thing on this earth. No one knew the type of person she was. Nobody. Your mom was the best. She's great. She would do anything. Uh, On and on and on. Mm -hmm. Because she was, my house was the house everybody came to because I wasn't allowed to do anything. So everybody came to my house. You know, we had, um, through school and all that, I'll, I'll say one thing real quick is we had an indoor pool. That everybody went to, you're allowed to go. At your house? Not at the house, but oh. at this big community. Oh, I you see. You could go, and it was indoors in the wintertime, and mm-hmm. it was always cool. It was We could all go, mm-hmm. and everybody would meet at the pool. Well, I had been sick for a week, and my older brother used to sneak and smoke out the bathroom window, so there was no screen on it. So I threw my bathing suit and everything and the towel out the window because I told her I was going to go to the pool, but I wasn't swimming because I had been sick. Uh, if you don't swim, you can go. If you swim, you're not going. Okay, you were not allowed to go. So I threw it out the window, and she got a fucking telephone call, and she saw it. She I was, saw, like, she saw the, the, the she swimsuit just saw the, flying the through the air? The towel and the, <laughs> the bathing suit on the ground. Uh-huh. And, oh, uh, I see. I was busted, mm-hmm. and that was another hell. You're you're not not going very abusive because my dad was at work. And as soon as my dad gets home, I tell on her. He goes, you're not grounded. Don't worry about it, you know. But that's just how she was. And, you know, you couldn't get anything. But my older brother, my brothers drank, smoked, and they could do whatever they wanted and never got in trouble. All I did was try to make her proud, and it never was. So you... Since then, since your wedding, you've lost your mother. Very much so, yeah. Well, I'm meaning she passed away. She's gone. Yes. Can you tell us about, you were the only one at her, at her side at her deathbed, on, Mm -hmm. excuse me, on her deathbed. Yes. Correct? She, she had gotten lung cancer. I was the only one with her when she found out she had lung cancer too. Mm -hmm. I had taken her to the hospital. She was very, very, they thought she had pneumonia. We went, um, they cleared the fluid out of her lungs. It was black. They said she was already in fourth stage cancer. She smoked five, uh, three to five packs of cigarettes a day. She drank nonstop. Um, 
And she took a lot of drugs as she was younger. Um, she, uh, they gave her, they were saying, we don't know how long she has. And I said, we're not, we don't want to know how long she has. So she went in and they gave her chemo, about six treatments, and she had gotten lung can- uh, breast cancer. We go to the specialist and the, con- and the doctor says, um, the lung cancer is going to kill you. What are you doing here? And I told my mom, I said, get up and leave. And I went crazy on the doctor. I don't know who the hell you think you are that you can act like God and do this to her. We know she's dying. But you have no right, and we haven't asked for a time how long she has. Okay, even through everything, I'm still mom's corner, making sure she's okay. I'm the one who took care of her. I'm the one who did everything for her at that time. And my dad and my brothers still live with her because my older brother was a drunk and everything, too. So he never really left her side. He was always there. And my little brother was in the service, and then he came back home. You know, it's kind of. The boys could be there no matter what, forever. So then all of a sudden, she moved to our summer home that they had, the summer home they had. And she left us. She found out she had it, and she just left. And it was like an hour, two hours away. And it was always like, why aren't you bringing the kids? A whole bunch of crap. I'm like, Mom, we have a life. Well, I'm dying. You need to be here. You need to come back to your home here, you know. So anyway, that what happened was um, my dad gave me a call and said she has fluid around her, her heart. Um, she's in pretty bad shape, but they say she's going to be okay. So I drive to Ohio State Hospital, and they come out and say to me, um, what if she has to be put on a machine? Will you pull the plug? And I said, wait, will you pull the plug? Meaning, will you authorize the pulling of the plug? Yes. Or were you Okay. Not like, will you actually do it? No. Will I yeah, we got other things to do. Yes. Can you just pull that out of the wall? <laughs> right. Okay. So I'm like, is she alert? Because they hadn't let me see her yet. I said, is she alert? He's like, yes. I said, get in there. I know what she wants, but I'm sure in the hell ain't going to do it. Okay. I'm not, I'm the executor of all their state. I'm the one who has to do everything, but no. I'm not taking this woman's life. Well, that's not, no. You talk to her right now and you ask her what she wants because I know what she wants. So she told him, no, don't put me on any machines, nothing. If I'm going to die, I'm going to die. So I said, can I see her before she dies? And they're like, yeah. So I walk in there and she's talking to me and we're talking and I said, where's dad? He goes, and, and she goes, I sent him home. And I said, okay. And she goes, where's Steve and the kids? And I said, they're at home. And she said, good. And I said, why good? She goes, because I really need you to forgive me for what I've done to you. And I said, I love you, mom, but I can't. And she died. Her heart, she got the tumor in her heart and it exploded. And that's how she died. And what's really weird is when we got the all the stuff of what had cancer in it and all that kind of stuff, the only thing that didn't have cancer was her liver. It was pickled. It said untouchable. Every single main thing in her body, her heart, her liver, her kidneys, her lungs, her brain, 
and downer to all had cancer. Just not the liver. Just not the liver. Yeah. It's, uh, did you call her liver Elliot Ness? Yeah, we <laughs> but nothing had it on it. So I'm the one that was with her when she died. It was a very, I had been with, I've been with a few people that have died. It was a very, not weird. It was kind of, it was very pleasant the way she died. It wasn't like crazy or whatever. But the first thing my dad says to me is, why didn't you keep her alive so I could say goodbye? I said, Dad, she sent you away. She sent you and Kirk away on purpose. Why didn't you cure cancer? I know. That's, no, that's a, I'm ready for your answer, ma'am. Well, guess what? They took it out of me and I'm better. There you go. Yeah. So when you're talking about what you went through a couple months ago, Mm -hmm. you had cancer. Mm -hmm. And you came through. Perfect. Wonderful. But it was fucking hell. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I've gone through a lot in May life. I ask, uh, okay. So how old as were you going, when, sorry, how old uh, were you when your mom passed away? It was in 91, so I was 30, 30, 30. I well, think I was if 30. 91, yeah, yeah, because you said you graduated in 80. Yeah, oh, it's, it's, yeah, and I'm 61, so I was, yeah. Okay. It'd be 31. Okay. I was 30, 31, yeah. So, and you have both your kids at this point? They're both my kids at this time. Now, let's go back to what yeah. happened with you when you were a junior in high school. You said there was a lot of damage. Yes, a inside. lot, a lot of damage. And so, were you, did they tell you anything about having children? Uh, not really. Uh, they said they'd be really surprised if I had kids, if I could have kids. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. Okay. And, um, I don't know if I was going to talk. I might talk about maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so um, when Steve and I, I got pregnant right away. Mm -hmm. And the first one, I miscarried right away. Jeez. And it wasn't, there's a reason why that happens. So I'm not, I wasn't like, oh, you know, I'm going to lose it or what. I've never been that type. There was a reason why this baby was not the baby. You know what I mean? I, I feel there's, it wasn't meant to be. That baby was not meant to be when I miscarried. Okay. So I was fine. I didn't have a nervous breakdown. I didn't get upset. I, You know what I mean? And people are like, how could you? Because it wasn't meant to be at that time. So right away, I get pregnant with John. Didn't even know I was pregnant. Didn't find out I was pregnant till five months. Didn't even know it. That's weird because I find them insufferable. <laughs> and, you know, and as they say, if you have a period, you're not pregnant and this, this, this. Right. And I had three of them. Oh, no shit. Yeah. I was like, whatever. I didn't know. Yeah. And I w- then I started getting super sick. And then everything was from five months on. This person was 120 and got up to 215. With this boy, with the boy, okay. Oh, you were one twenty. Yeah, you got all the way up to two fifteen. Yes, humongo. Okay, that's, big. A, that's a big baby. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, they say you're gonna have the baby on the fifteenth of December. Of course not. He was like mm-hmm. two weeks late. I go into labor on the twenty third of December. 
He went into labor on the 23rd. Okay. 23rd. Mm -hmm. Wait, he was born on the next day? He did not. Did not. Was not born till the 27th. Jesus Christ. So, as I'm, and Four, everybody. Wait in the, a minute. Sorry. 20, yeah. You yes. go into labor on the 23rd. The baby is not born until the 27th. You were in labor from the 23rd to the 27th. Okay, so I go to the hospital. I'm, I'm having, I'm having, I'm having contractions in bad, bad shape all day, the 23rd. I'm like, I'm going to have to go to the hospital. Then it stopped. Then on the 24th, it started again. And I mean, I'm out to here. Mm -hmm. I'm not kidding. You're big. Big. You did, for, for those of you listening at home, she was very pregnant. Yes, very. Yeah. Very, very, very. Mm -hmm. And so, so I'm you, like, so Christmas Day, I'm in bad shape the whole day, Christmas Day. The was 20th. there room at the end? Huh? No. Okay. And then... On the 26th, I go into the hospital. Mm -hmm. They send me home. They sent you home? Why? Because I was not dilated. I see. Okay. So as soon as I get home, my water breaks. I turn around and come back in. Mm -hmm. So everybody in the hospital now is putting bets on how big this baby's going to be. So. How okay, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. So. This is this. So they break my water all the way. I'm so freaking out of it. Okay. I keep thinking I'm peeing the bed. So I keep crying. And one good thing about my husband, he goes, you're not going to have another pain. I got to go get something to eat because he has been there the whole time. So we go by your side the whole time, the whole time mm -hmm. by my side, the whole time. He goes, I promise you're not going to have a pain until I get back. Oh. So I didn't have a pain in my head. Yeah. I thought, oh, I'm fine. Yeah. So my son, if you can't see a pic, well, maybe. So as I'm pushing, uh -huh. he's got his hands like this. So as I push, he pushes himself back. Okay. So he is basically being like, no, yeah. I don't know about this. He doesn't want to come out. Which I don't blame him, man. Yes. He's pretty good in there. He loved it. Yeah. But he would kick and I had bruises. You'd see his face on my stomach. Because he was so big, okay? When I tell you how much he is after he's born, so an hour before he's born, this is the 27th of December, so it started the 23rd, they give me an epidural. Mm -hmm. They numb me from my neck down. Mm -hmm. I can't bring my hands to my chest. They go push. I said, fuck you. I'm not doing nothing. So they're pulling this kid out. Yanking him out, he comes out, yeah. 11 and a half pounds. Jesus Christ. And he just grew into his head yesterday. Yeah, well, that's weird because I weighed 11 and a half pounds when I graduated high school. Yes. That's insane. And I don't, you know, I'm not trying to be adversarial. I don't know if he's grown into his head yet. He has. Okay, fair enough. You are the mother. But so the first thing right. they said, the first thing they said is... His dad says, is, look how big his balls are. That's beautiful. So instead of taking a picture of, you know, how they take little. Did he take a picture of his. Prints, well, they did that too. But okay. for the handprints and stuff, his foot, they get a footprint. And I'm not kidding. It was this big. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh. So they're like, uh, and then people are giving me shit about breastfeeding. And this kid, usually kids take like a half an ounce, two ounces of milk. A, a, an ounce or two ounces. He had three and a half ounces, his first freaking feeding. 
Well, I mean, I hear his balls are big. Yeah. That's the only thing that counted. Yeah. You know? Mm. I said, well, at least we had a kid with big balls. That's good. Yeah. I, I just, this is the part in the show where I want to say Brent is currently nodding. Yeah. yeah. So, so we. I think Brent can just relate to that is what I'm saying. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I had Johnny at 22 and then. Um, I want to ask you something real yes. fast. How do you spell his name? J-O-N. Is that short for anything? No. God bless you. John Patrick Pennick. That's it. Yeah. And I said he'd never be a Johnny, but I'm the one who calls him Johnny. So I think, again. That's your prerogative. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, you spell his name correctly. Right. Only one person is allowed to spell J-O-H-N, and he was unfortunately assassinated in 1980. Yes, exactly. But my middle name is John, and it took us years to figure out that I knew he spelled it J-O-N, but mm-hmm. I, I assumed it was short for Jonathan. No. My middle name is John, spelled J-O-N, not short for anything. Oh, cool. Yeah. And that's when I said, all right, you can bring the bread CD in the car, <laughs> but only because we share a name. I like that he's not here to defend himself. <laughs> okay. So you have this giant baby. Yes. And they're like, you can't lift over 10 pounds. Uh-huh. Well, then, but what about your baby? Yeah. yeah. So, And then they had a freaking intern sew me up. Mm. And all, the in, all my stitches came out and I had reconstruction done. So I walked like a cowboy for months. Sure. Did you have the spurs? <laughs> yes. Okay, good. And the, the what are they called? The leather? Uh, chaps. The chaps with yeah. the bare ass. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Wow. I'm just kidding. You know, I walked that way after I had a hernia surgery. <laughs> oh, shit. I yeah. bet you did. Yeah, it was beautiful. That's where I fell in love with the movie Wayne's World. But anyway. Yes, okay. Um, okay, so you have John. Now have we, how, how much... Um, how long was it until, uh, his sister was born? Um, she's almost two years exactly in age behind him. Yeah. I want to ask you something. Um, yes. You grew up with three siblings. Yes. It sounds like you tell, tell me if I'm wrong. You were only really close to your younger yes. brother. Yes. Um, what, what did that imprint on you about? Uh, if anything, about closeness between siblings. They're number one to each other. What do you Since mean by they that? they were able, no one gets in between them. No girlfriends, mm-hmm. no boyfriends, mm-hmm. no friends, nothing. If you're wrong, if, if say, John did something terrible, okay, mm-hmm. and Tracy knew it was terrible, mm-hmm. the only person she talks to about it is him. You don't fucking talk about anything bad about your family what i'm saying is you can't turn your back on your brother or your sister because that's all you got yeah you know we're gonna leave we're gonna be gone one when you day say we you mean you as parents as parents mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna die one day no matter what we don't have a choice they need each other and no woman or no man needs to come in between them because guess what? They have families and sometimes those families get in the way of a brother and a sister and I'm not having it and they know it because my older brother put everybody in front of me, even friends that abused me. He was, he said, you deserved it. That's how me and my little brother 
are so close because we did that. I've never turned my back on my little brother. He's never turned my his his back on me. No matter what my little brother did, I never ever made him feel stupid around anybody or he never made me feel stupid around anybody or anybody better than me. He thinks I'm the best. He's the best as a brother. You know what I'm saying? I do. John and Tracy have to feel that way. They're completely opposite kids, but they love each other very, very much. And if people see, you know, you need to see that with a brother and sister. And I know what it's like not to speak to a brother or a sister for years and years, you know, and it's sad. You don't, they're your blood. They're supposed to, that's the way it's supposed to be. And and that's what I told them since they've been able to talk. They will tell you that. You're number one. They shared room together forever. They were best friends when they were kids. They only had each other. You know what I'm saying? So they did every single thing together. And I just think that's the way it is. I mean, he knows that if he needs to speak to her, my daughter's kind of a black and white type of person. Things need to go. If it's this way, that's the way it should be. If it's this way, that you know what I mean? I'm trying to, there's no gray in between with Trace because of the stuff she's gone through in life sometimes, okay? Mm-hmm. And then John has gray. My son has gray in between his life. So, so that's how they fit. You know what I mean? Not everything is a certain way in life. And, and Tracy says, I try to fix that because I know. But she's very stern at her ways and the way that it is. And I respect her with that. And that's how she feels. And she gets through life that way. And it's wonderful. She's the best caregiver. She takes care of everybody. She's the one that makes control, is in control. She's such a good caregiver that she sent me like 150 pens. <laughs> uh, because one time John was over at my apartment and I was like, you know, I was like, hey, John. And he's like, yeah, I'm like, I like to chew on pens. And then, like, a week and a half later, there's this fucking box of all these pens. The right black ink. I don't like the blue ink pens. And uh, I'm asking so many people in my life, did you send me pens? A box of pens? They're like, what are you talking about? I figured it out. It's that type of thoughtfulness. And the reason I ask you, excuse me, because I've watched, uh, again, I've not... I don't believe I've met Tracy in person, but I've spoken with her on the phone. Yes. I've texted she with her, you. et cetera. And um, it's the closest I've ever come, one of the closest I've ever come to somebody who has the same type of relationship I have with my sister. Mm-hmm. I make jokes at her yes. expense all the time on the show about how she's not a doctor. She's one of the most, if not the best person I've ever met. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know no matter what, I can always go to her and she knows that she can always go to me. So that's why I wanted to ask you about that because I, I, I think, and I'm not saying that that's prescriptive for everybody with siblings. Exactly, exactly. It's just with John and Tracy, I've seen that. It's the closest I've seen to the very close relationship I have with my sister. All right, so everything's going fine. And then I, at 40, uh, I'm working, we're working, uh, we we ran the restaurant, and then um, the kid John graduates from high school. Well, it pretty much happened. Yeah, oh four. John had graduated from high school, and then he was going to school in New York. And then um, we went to go see 
right after he graduated, he got a show, and um, we went to go see the show in New York. And um, I got real sick. I couldn't breathe very well. I was um, just having some problems. We didn't. I didn't understand what it was. All of a sudden, I was. It was just really tough for me. And I was working about sixty hours in a restaurant and all kinds of stuff. So I go back to work, and um, all of a sudden, I'm just feeling really, really bad. And I go to the hospital. I have pneumonia in both lungs. Jeez. So they fix that, but there's still a problem. And and they're like, you're still very, very sick. And I'm like, okay. And you're like, I'm aware. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm still not feeling well. Yeah. And they said, you need a heart transplant. My a heart, heart transplant? Yeah. My heart was three times its size. Was your heart in the lungs with the Really? Seriously? Yeah. Your heart was three times the size? Mm-hmm. Three so- times its size. They said, you got to find a doctor and you need a heart transplant. How old are you? I am 43 at and, this time. And this is, so John's what, like 20-ish? He, no, 21, probably. Yeah, yeah. 19. Yeah, yeah. a little bit so after. Tracy's he, he had already, he, she was, she was in college. Tracy mm-hmm. was in college. John had already graduated mm-hmm. So from college. So he was doing shows and stuff. And that's why right when he got out of school, he got my way and he we went to go see his show. So this is way up in the mountains in New York. And we thought that it just had to do with that because just the the way I was feeling sure. and stuff. Um. And so then after that, we go and I get a hold of, we just look on the internet, find the best heart transplant hospital, and that's in Gainesville, Florida. It's called Shans. I go there and um, amazing, amazing, amazing guy. Yeah. Dr. Randa, I will say that. He's saved my life for 17, 18 years. So I go in there and he's like, I want to keep your heart as long as we can. Meaning, we'd rather I, not. I'm kind of give you a heart means, transplant. Okay, we're gonna, but we're gonna try to. Keep, it's better to keep your heart as long as we can. And this has been since '04, so a little bit. If you get a heart in '04, it's not good in 2023. You might have to have another one by then. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so I'm kind of their guinea pig. Whatever they want to do, me, I'm just like, okay, do what we got to do. We're gonna do it. I'm in and out of the hospital a lot. I'm on the transplant list they're amazing so they come to me and say we have a new thing that we want to try on you i'm like was okay. it scientology yes okay and um you know their headquarters is in tampa i thought it was clearwater it's tampa it's in yeah so, tampa clearwater right yeah, in that area okay it's right by by the way just to be clear it wasn't scientology that's not what the doctor no, said no what did the doctor say they had for you he said that it's called paracor Paracor? Paracor. It's a mesh around your heart. Uh-huh. And I was the first woman in the United States and the fifth person to have it put in. You're the f- the fifth person ever? Ever. And you're the first sixth. woman. in sixth the person. Sixth person ever, and you're the first woman in the United States to have this done. Yes. And what does paracor do? Is it, it like parkour? No. Okay. What is paracor? So what do? they do is instead of splitting you open— they go up underneath and open up your ribs, and they put a mesh around your heart. Because your heart was so enlarged. So enlarged. So what it does is it talks your brain into thinking that your heart is shrinking. So it took about a year for it to really, really start working. 
It's tough to trick the brain. Yes, it is. I try to do it every day. <laughs> and so it started working and um, did really well till 2012. And I had a heart attack. Didn't know that I was having it. I, my dog kept waking me up and doing stuff and trying to get my attention. And I drove Aww. myself to the doctors. And You drove yourself to the doctor mm -hmm. after you, what, maybe in the I middle just had of a heart attack? I had a stomach ache. Oh, that sure. was all, nothing. Is that all it was? I thought it was. I'm just so kidding. I drive and I'm yeah. laughing and I get into the doctor's office. I'm like, hi, everybody. Blah, blah. They do it. They said, you're having a heart attack right now. I'm like, what? So they take me, the hospital's across the street, which I go to Shans and I really didn't want to go to this hospital because it's in Orlando and I don't trust any doctors in Orlando, but I had to go because I'm having a heart attack. So I go. While I won't apologize to our listeners in Ohio, <laughs> I will apologize to our listeners in Orlando. I'm just kidding. No, I we won't. I apologize because... to our listeners in Ohio. No, I'm kidding. Go okay. ahead, please. So they put me in an ambulance and drive me across the street because I said, I'll drive myself to the hospital. No, you won't. Did you have to pay for that ambulance ride? I don't know. Okay. Well, I didn't, them. though. Okay. So you go across the street. Go across the street. I call Trace. Mm -hmm. I said, I'm having a heart attack. She's like, what? She's call John. Having a heart attack. Uh, but I'm going in for surgery right now. Trace John's goes, like, I can't hear you over the bread. Yes. And 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 Tracy goes, don't let him do anything till I get there. And I'm like, oh. I'm going. Yeah. So. Where was your husband? Where was he? Probably at work. At work. Yeah, and, I don't this know. This is restaurant time. Yes. You guys were yes. working in a restaurant. Oh, yeah. He, so I go, and I have three blockages, and they put stents in, and I'm fine. So I get that done. Uh-huh. I get out of the hospital, go to the very next weekend. I have really a lot of problems after I get out of the hospital, and I'm really, really sick again. So I go back to the hospital, and they take me back in for surgery because they don't know why I'm having so much problems. Mm -hmm. And the doctor that's there knew Dr. Randa and said, I don't know what the hell From you're doing Gainesville. backfield. Yes. Mm -hmm. So he had trained this doctor. He said, "I you can go to this doctor because I know him. Because I told him, I said, I don't like going anyplace because – you, everybody tries to change everything. And he's like, you can go here. He knows what I do, everything. I go in there. He goes, I don't know what the hell you're doing in the operating room yelling at me, this doctor is. He's yelling at you? Yes. Why are you back? Well, that's good for the heart. Exactly. So I said, I'm going to tell Dr. Randa. <laughs> I never throw his name around. This guy goes, he's looking at me like, oh, shit. I forgot. Also, did he know that Tracy was on the way? Because if I knew Tracy I, was on the way, I would be, I'd be like, mine and my P's and Q's. No, he did not do and, no. and, uh -oh. and hoping for more pens. Go ahead. So I get that. I, he check, I get out finally. They check everything and I go back up to Shans and Dr. Randa does everything that we need to do and get myself better and everything. But when you have a heart that only works 10 to 15%, you get, Calcium. What does that mean? You get it. That, I have so, I have a defibrillator. Most people have one line on your heart, okay, yeah. to keep your heart either slowing down or going faster, okay? Okay, so a pacemaker makes your heart go faster, Yeah. okay, because your heart stops. A defibrillator slows your heart down because my heart goes super fast, okay? So instead of having one line, I have four lines, 
on each you part said of my most heart. Most people have one line. You yes, have four lines. I have four lines. It keeps me alive. It keeps my heart going. It keeps me going. Being able, if if so, it's never zapped or anything, but if it would zap me and you were standing beside me, it would take you down with me. All right, I'm. That's why I'm across the table here. <laughs> Nobody know. I don't talk my business to people. That's yeah. what, you know, nobody knows. Like when I'm sick, I don't tell anybody, you know, the shit, oh, pray for me today or do this or do that. You need to fucking pray for me every day if you're my friend. You know what I mean? Not when I'm sick. Not when I, you know, there's problems. Ask me how I'm doing every day. Not when I'm in the hospital almost dead. Yeah. You know what? Because you don't, you don't give a shit. Well, I, know I know that. the answer then. Mm-hmm. You're doing poorly. I'm dead. <laughs> yeah. So that's why when my family knows it, friends know it, the people that I care about, don't put shit up. You're, you're not going to do it. Don't put shit up saying we care about you and everything. So I get through all this. I have um, legs worked on because I have calcium buildup and a lot of blockages and I have a doctor that is the best in the United States to clean my legs. I was 95% blocked in my neck with calcium. Um, so when I found out I had my heart problems. Yes, to got milk. Huh? Yes. Uh-huh. Seriously. And then, and then we had, um, there, they told my fan, well, didn't tell my, Tracy is a nurse and she looked over my shoulder. At my records, and they were only giving me three months to live with my heart. Nobody knew this, but with them doing paracore, had me live, and not unless I got a new heart. Okay, so as time goes on, we get through this. I'm doing a lot better. I'm, you know, kicking butt, and um, nobody really even knew I was sick. I didn't talk about it. I don't talk about it. It took me seven years to get my disability. Because I didn't look sick. I didn't act sick. I got turned down twice. The judge was like, you Even have- with medical records? Well, you do it on your own because you don't want to have to pay lawyers a shitload of money. Mm. Finally, I got my lawyer. And the judge is like, what the hell's going on? Why aren't you getting this? You're the number one reason to get disability. Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't look sick. Mm-hmm. I don't act sick. Mm-hmm. And I told the judge, everybody told me not to dye my hair. Everybody told me to look sick. Accent, I, I've not done it even at my sickest. Have I laid on the couch and said, I wish I was dead. Okay. Or I'm going to die. Never has that ever come out of my mouth, no matter what I've gone through in my life. Never. Never. So we get through all this. I get my disability, all that. Okay. So for the last three months, four months, I had gotten really bad with sugar, which I had no idea. And they said, sometimes that happens with your heart. You can have sugar problems and be a diabetic. So I got through that and that screwed with me because that goes right for your heart. So then um, about three and a half months ago, I'm watching my kids run marathons and do stuff. I had a backache. I um, Three and a half months ago from right now. From right now. Okay. And uh, so my, we went and I watched it and I had a backache. And then I came back, um, just took a couple Tylenol. And with all my stuff with the heart, I hadn't got a colonoscopy. I'm 61. I didn't get a colonoscopy. They're like, oh, poop in a box, do this, do that, you know. So I didn't do it. So 
Johnny had a hard time getting in town for his birthday and everything. And we always do this golfing, hit golf balls and have a great time. So we go and we're hitting golf balls and hanging out for about three hours. And I said to my I said, I'm just going to run and go to the bathroom real quick and come out. Well, when I went to the bathroom, there was a mess load of blood. Mess load. And I'm like, what the hell? And I talked to Trace, and I said, Tracy, I took pictures, and she goes, you're going to emergency right now. So we go into the emergency. Nobody wants to touch me in this hospital because of my heart, because 10 to 15%, they're worried about having surgery. They think I'm not going to wake up, the whole thing. Finally, they do the colonoscopy, and they find the cancer. I'm a fucking mess because... Of course, I'm putting John and Tracy through this. I should have gotten this taken care of, and I didn't. So, of course, my daughter's on the phone with Shans saying, my mom has cancer. We got to get this taken care of. They're not touching her here because they came in to say, we're going to do surgery tomorrow. She's like, you're not touching my mother. We go to Shans. This happened. I have a doctor's appointment um, with a specialist. Two and a half weeks, two weeks, two days. He schedules my surgery for the 17th of March, of March, February, February. I go and have my surgery done. He removes everything. Um, it's two to three stage. Mm-hmm. Can't The cancer, you mean? Yes, mm-hmm. two to three stage. It's a lot bigger than what they thought it was. Mm-hmm. It was a six and a half hour surgery. Mm-hmm. He removes everything. Mm-hmm. Amazing, amazing doctor, Dr. Clark. Um, um, and doc, uh, Dr. Reed, sorry, Dr. Reed. And we go, I'm supposed to be in there 14 days, intensive care. I was out in five days. You're out in five days. Five days. Five days. Yep. Mm. And uh, That's a work week. They removed, yep, they removed um, some of the colon. They removed all the the cancer. I donated the cancer to them to be able to work with it. I go to the cancer, and they gave me 15% chance to live during the surgery. And you lived. And I lived. And because of, was that mainly because of your heart? Yes. Okay. And I have to tell this story, and I, my daughter's boyfriend, Bo, he comes to me and he says, do not go to the light, please. And as he's leaving, and this is a man that never goes to the hospital, doesn't do that crap. He's like, but he's there for me. So he pats me on the leg and says, don't go to the light. I said, I won't. I promise. So six and a half hour surgery. I don't remember ever anything in my surgeries. But all of a sudden, in my, in my, during my being knocked out and the good drugs, Bo, Tracy, John, and me on camels in the middle of the desert. Okay. We're like, hum da dum walking around, you know. And all of a sudden, this great big light comes down. It goes whoosh. And it sounds just like you and I talking. Comes down. And it's all over all four of us. And Bo looks back up there and says, didn't I tell you it wasn't time for her to go, God? Leave her alone. And it goes whoosh. And the wind blew right back up, and 
I didn't wake up during my recovery. And as soon as I got in the bath, in the bedroom, in the bedroom, in intensive care, all hooked up, I see Bo standing in the corner. I said, Bo, I got something to say to you. He's like, what the hell is wrong with her? I just, as soon as I opened my eyes, I looked at him. I said, Bo, the light came down. He's like, what? Are these drugs this good? (laughs) And I said, the camel, you're riding a camel. He said, they had a camel big enough for me. And he's like, I said, and you told it to go back up the light. And he's like, I did. And I said, you have to pinky promise me right now. We all have to get tattoos of camels. Mm -hmm. And he said, I'll put it on my big toe. That's the only way. Okay. Well, that's going to hurt like hell, Bo. I don't know, Bo, but man, I've heard that the toe tattoos hurt. So, um, for the camel toe. Yes. Oh, <laughs> see, I'm not too quick. Don't, oh, Brent, Brent, the disdain on Brent's face is warranted. Um, I want to say this, though, as, as we're wrapping up here. Okay. Um, as, as hard as you tried, you did not pass the audition. Okay. So you're not going to be on sad times. So okay. I'm sorry good. about that. I'm sorry. No, I'm just kidding. Um, But you know what? Even through all the cancer stuff, it was the hardest thing I've ever gone through in my life Mm -hmm. because they don't tell you how many people make it. Mm. And colon cancer is one of the hardest ones to figure out Mm -hmm. why you get it. Mm -hmm. Okay? So my cancer specialist like, you don't need any chemo. You don't need any radiation. I'm so fucking blessed that how does this happen? So in... The 17th of this month was two months since everything. Mm-hmm. I'm completely healed. Yeah. I'm not having any problems. Yeah. And I'm just, I don't know how it happened. But it was one of the hardest things I've ever gone through in my life. That was the, the hardest thing. Which is, by the way, fucking saying something to say that that's one of the hardest things. Not to take away from that. Right, right. Yeah. It was hard. Yeah. And... Back to my mom, this is what fucking pisses me off because I still don't know who my father is. And she died. And when I have health problems, I have to stop myself and say, you can't get fucking pissed every single time something happens because she's gone. You can't keep getting yourself all worked up and have the problem. But you have two fucking grandkids that you could not let me know. So I thought, oh, God, now they have to worry about lung cancer. They have to worry about leukemia. They have to worry about... Um, colon cancer. But thank God the, the cancer specialist said, your kids don't have to worry anything about that. That's great. That's great. Nothing. That is, it was that the same Dr. Reed? This is Dr. Jones. Dr. That's Jones. The, yes. Dr. Jones. Dr. Jones. Okay. All right. Well, uh, well, he's quite an archaeologist. And he's from S- Springfield, Ohio. Uh-huh. And he, we talked a bunch. It was awesome. That's awesome. Um, Okay. <laughs> I have to say this uh, as we're wrapping up. You are one of the most inspiring stories we've had on the podcast. I cannot thank you enough um, for coming on and telling your story because it is one hell of a story. You're one hell of an amazing woman. You've raised two amazing kids. You have every reason to be fucking proud of who you are. And... As we're wrapping up, is there anything else that you would like to say before we we go? Just we have to, I understand people having problems in life and going through hell. But this is the only life we have. So either you live it underneath a rock and not making life happy 
or just constantly saying, I went through this, I went through that. Nobody knows my life story. I I don't really talk to people about my life story. My family knows, but there's people in the family that have no idea anything. You know what I mean? So you have to change things in your life, in your family, to make things better. And that's the only way. That's one thing that Tracy says to me, because she doesn't want to have children, is everything that you taught us, Mom, everything that you did for us, every single thing that you you and Dad did for us, I'm not going to do that with kids. And that's the only thing that bothers me sometimes, because Steve taught him every taught Johnny all about music, all about movies, all about all that. I didn't do that. He did it, you know. And Tracy, um, just being a kind, I take care of my family. People are like, why do you take care of Bo? Why do you take care of your family? Because that's how I was raised. That's what my grandmother did, and that's what my mom did in life. So that's what I do. I take care of my partner. And that's what life's about. You take care of people. If you don't, then they go someplace else and get it. So believe in life. You can't live your life miserable. So why keep doing it and doing it over? If you don't like what you have, change it. And that's what I've done the last nine years of my life. I do stuff now. I go. I I have to take care of myself because if I don't, nobody's going to. And that's why I was trying to explain about John and Trace because they take care of me. That's who I depend on to take care of me. And that's not right in life. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't know if it's not. It, it's right because my kids love me very much and they want to take care of me. But I'm saying is I got to stand on my own two feet. And I've been doing it for the last nine years, trying to stand on my own two feet and do what I have to do. Do you understand what I'm saying? I, I do. You know, okay. I just want to make. Um, well, uh, as you know. a impartial observer, I'm going to go ahead and say that you've been standing on your own two feet for 61 years. Um, well, maybe not that first year, but you know, <laughs> yeah. um, I cannot thank you enough for coming on okay. for, for telling these stories. They're not easy stories to tell. And, um, that what you have gone through and the, and what you have done and the, that your continued, um, commitment to saying, I'm going to change this. I'm not going to sit in mire, excuse me, sit in the mire of it. Mm-hmm is inspiring to me. Um, I, I complain about stubbed toes. I complain about all sorts of shit and you are such a wonderful and inspirational person. And I thank you for coming on very much. Very welcome. And it was uh, a blast. I loved it. I did. Well, I don't know if I loved it, but, uh, and, and I'll say the same thing I say at the end of every episode to everybody out there. Um, you know, there's always room for kindness and grace, mm-hmm. no matter the situation. And I forget that all the time, especially when it has to do with my own, when I'm looking at myself. Mm-hmm. And we can be kind and we can give ourselves grace as well. And uh, just something I want to leave people with. And um, thank you so much, Bobette, for coming on and sharing her amazing story. And we'll see you next time on Sad Times. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.